0: From Red Bank Missionary Baptist Church and Touchpoint Ministries, this is the Gary Talks About God podcast. If you have your Bibles this morning, I want you to go ahead and turn to Romans chapter 12. Just go ahead and turn there. We will be there in just a moment, Romans chapter 12. And what we are doing uh, this morning is we're going backwards. And we are going backwards to finish up the Marks of a Disciple series. If you remember, um, I I didn't calendar well. And I I lost a week somewhere in my sermon calendar, and we jumped very quickly into our Easter uh, series. But I had one more uh, sermon in the Marks of a Disciple series that I wanted to go back and finish And the whole point of that series was as a disciple, as a believer in Christ, that we are going to exhibit certain marks that will identify us, right? We we don't come to Christ and then get the T-shirt to wear so that everybody knows. So there has to be some characteristics, some defining marks that we display to the world so that when the world sees us, they know that we are a believer. We talked about love. We we talked about obedience to God's word. We talked about our influence as salt and light, uh, about denying ourselves, taking up our cross, and and then we talked about not to worry. uh, That you know Jesus makes it very clear we are not to worry. So this morning, in a way of wrapping up the series, we're going to Romans 12, 1 through 2 and looking at transformation of a transformed. When you read those two verses, I hope you see in it there is a very, there is a distinction in the life of a believer, and we can, uh, borrowing from the calendar, we can call this our BC life and our AC life, right? Just like in the, the calendar, we call it BC before Christ, and I know it's AD and Domini but after Christ. Right? It divides time, and so we can do the same in our lives as well. We have a before Christ time, we have a moment where we meet Christ, and then we have an after Christ life. Our, our before Christ life we can define as, and let's be honest, by one of sin, that is leading to death, right? We don't, we don't really like to talk about that. We don't like to think about that. We were always a good person, right? We were always a pleasant person. We never did anything wrong. But if we really stopped in those moments, looked at our BC life, we realized that's not, that's not true at all. We were sinners, and, and engaging in that sin, it was leading us to death. We were wanting to do whatever we wanted to do. We did. It did not matter. We lived for ourselves, thought for ourselves, put the the crown on our heads, did what we wanted to do. But then we had that moment where Christ met us and he called us out of the darkness into the light. And now we have this AC life, a life that is to be focused on God, his righteousness, of, of living for him are are wanting to see God's kingdom grow, wanting to know more about God, to to be made more like Him. And when we read Romans 12, 1-2, we see those two lives, and again, we see the hinge, right? The, The mercies of God. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God. The mercy of God that called us out into the darkness, that made us justified before Him so that we could have the AC life. At the same time, when you read those verses, you also see a problem. And here is the problem we're still in the world, right? We we are still in this world. I think I've shared with you uh, a few Wednesday nights back as we were, uh, I think, going through the the spiritual uh, battle series that we're going through that I have prayed more times the the prayer in the end of Revelation where John says, even so, come Lord Jesus. Like, yeah, Lord, just, <laughs> could you just, I'm tired of the world, right? We were talking about the world in Sunday school this morning, and you need to be in Sunday school. But I think at at, at this point in time, everybody is just, anybody tired of the world? I'm tired of the world. <laughs> right? The world is crazy. <laughs> People are insane, right? I watched the video the other day. Did y'all see the... Uh, the clip of the Yankees playing uh, the Guardians. And I don't know who the Guardians are now, but who did the Guardians used to be? Anybody know enough about baseball to know who the Guardians used to be? I, I, don't, I don't know uh, anymore. Is it Cleveland? I think it's Cleveland. I think they used to be the Cleveland Indians. Now they're the Cleveland Guardians. But all of a sudden, the people in the, the stands started throwing, they're playing in New York, started throwing beer bottles at the Guardians' outfielders and stuff. And you're going... Your team just won, first of all. Why are you doing that? What you know, you just you see things like that and go, what's wrong with the world? God, get me out of this world. The world is crazy. And it is. The world is crazy. And that's part of the problem. We're still in the world. We still live in it. Jesus prayed, right? John 17, the high priestly prayer. Lord, Father, I, I, I pray not that you take them out of the world. And you read that prayer now, and you go back and you want to go, Jesus, maybe you should have prayed, take them out of the world. We're still in the world. And, and the problem with that is the world exerts its pressure on us. We're not insulated from it. Right? We'd like to be insulated from it. We'd like to be insulated from the pressure, but we're not. The world is it's pressuring us to be like the world. So when you come to Romans 12, and we're going to look at verse 2 more than verse 1, it makes it very clear that as a believer, and this is the first point, that we are told, we are warned not to be conformed To the world. Look at how it's stated. right? Sometimes we don't need to try to look for the nuance in God's word. We need to look at the boldness and the clarity with which something is stated. Do not be conformed. All right? Y'all know what the words do not be means. It It is a strong imperative saying do not be. Do not be conformed to the world. Now, that statement automatically tells us something. It tells us that there is a world system working to conform us. And if it is working to conform us, then the world system is not passive. Right? The world system does not live by the rule, okay, let's just live and let live. that's, That's not what happens. The desire of the world system is to mold you into its shape so that you look no different than the rest of the world. It it wants you to look just like everybody else. For those of you who have been in the military, you understand this. Right? And, and we kind of intellectually understood it and then Luke joined the National Guard and we kind of then ex- uh, experientially understood it because they would send back pictures of his class training and we're trying to find him and there's like 50 people all dressed the same. Wearing the same clothes with the same haircut and the same hat and the same boots and it's same, 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 same and we're going, that's... No. Maybe it's... No. Well, good heavens, they all look the same. Right? I think I posted on Facebook the one picture that we were like, that's Luke. And even then, uh, uh, sadly, it took a few minutes and going, hey, is, is this Luke? I sent a picture to Will. Will, is this Luke? Yeah, it's Luke. Okay. You know, that's what the world is trying to do from us. It is trying to conform us so that we look just like the world. Which leads to the next question, why? Why? Why does the world want us to look like the world? What is wrong with looking like the world? Well, we have a theology that answers that question. Because we can go back to 2 Corinthians 4.4 4 and see that in the, as Paul is writing, he says, the God of this world... And as he's writing in 2 Corinthians 4:4, 4, 4, it becomes very clear that the God of this world is Satan. that Satan is leading the world in the world system. Now I did not just say, I did not just say that every ruler in the world is demonically possessed, okay? I, I didn't say that. I didn't say that all governments are are, are demonic. I, I didn't say that. What I said is that within this world that we live in, the God of this world is Satan, and the desire for the God of this world, Satan, is to oppose the things of God, to oppose the people of God, so that they never get that mercy of God, so that they never go from the before Christ to the after Christ life where they are saved and justified, but they remain in the before Christ in their sins leading to death and would be dragged down to hell with Him. And so the world system is pulling us, is trying to conform us to be like that. And when you go through and you look at all of history, you can see this. You can see this throughout. Go, go back to, to Genesis. And you can see it right then. You can see the murder. Right? You can see the fall. You, you can see the world system trying to be, hey, hey, let's build a tower up to God. Let's sin. Let's go do all You see the world system with the idolatry, the murder, the jealousy, everything opposed to God. Pulling people away, trying to conform them so that they all look the same. And the same thing is happening today. The world system has never stopped that. There is still a tremendous amount of pressure being placed on everyone, and believers in particular, to conform to the world. They want us to look like the world. And sometimes it's, it's really obvious sometimes. And, and, and sometimes it's, it, it's, it's really, really subtle. You know one of the most subtle ways to try to get us to conform to the world is found in one simple phrase. You want to be on the right side of history, don't you? That phrase, right side of history, that's just a subtle attempt to conform us to the world. But the thing about that, it, it, it's kind of funny that they use that. Right? When they're talking about the right side of history, because that implies that there, there is a moral right. Well, if the world says do whatever you want, whatever feels good, then where's the moral right coming from? There's got to be morality somewhere. Otherwise, you can't be on the right side of history. It also points to the fact that history is going somewhere. Right? The, the, the Christian belief is that history is moving forward in a linear fashion to a climatic conclusion, right? Read Revelation. Most of the world systems just see the world going around, or history just going around in circles, nothing new. But when, that, system, when that, that phrase is used, notice how many times it is used to be on the right side of history to stand against what God has so clearly said in His Word. You want to be on the right side of history of same-sex marriage, don't you? And I would argue that as a believer, we shouldn't even capitulate the word same-sex marriage because marriage has a definition. And it's one man and one woman. You can't have same-sex marriage. It doesn't exist. But you see, you want to be on the right side of history. What about right now? The big thing right now, transgenderism. You, you, You want to be on the right side of history of transgenderism, but what does that do? That directly attacks Genesis 1 and Genesis 2, where God created them male and female, male and female. He created them. You want to be on the right side of history. Right? They're, they're, they're using it right now with, with, with Putin in, in, in invading Ukraine. And I find, I find this funny. You know, we got to bring pressure on Putin He wants so that he's on the right side of history. Have you ever noticed dictators don't care about being on the right side of history? You know why? Because they're going to be dead and they're not going to read the history books. But it's just a subtle pressure. Be on the right side of 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 history. Conform to the world. Be like the world. And we're told no. We're we're told in Ephesians 4.14 to no longer be like children. Listen to this. Tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness, and deceitful schemes. Does that not sound exactly like what is going on today? I want, to, I, want to, I want to say this clearly. As believers, we would do a much better job combating the world philosophy if we understood that it is, in fact, a religion. They would not call it a religion, but it is. It is their deceitful schemes. It is their human doctrine that they are worshiping and they are bowing down to. And we're told not to be conformed to this. We're told not to give in, not to be tossed around, right? As kids, as, as you know, we're tossed around, we, we think of this and we think of this. And it says, no, look, you've come by the mercies of Christ to now be a new creature in Christ. Stop being tossed around by the human world system, by their doctrine. Don't give in. Do not be conformed. Instead, we see in Romans 12, be transformed. But in Ephesians 4, 15, it also tells us what we're supposed to do. Rather speaking the truth in love. Folks, I, 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 it is more unloving to look at someone dealing with some of the issues that we're facing today in the world, like transgenderism and other things, and look at them and say, It's okay, you be you. It is more hateful and more damning to them than to look at them and say, That's a human doctrine. That's a human doctrine that's been created and craft been deceitful. Let me tell you the truth. And the truth is that God created you, male or female, he created you, and before he formed you in the womb, he knew you. And he made you exactly like you were supposed to be. That truth, which is truth, is loving. Just looking at him and say, well, I'm going to agree with you, so I'm on the right side of history, is not. But that's where the world is. That is where we are. That is what we live in today. The world trying to conform us to accept its godless ideology, its human deceitfulness, and be conformed to it so that we look like the world. And Scripture says, do not be conformed. There's no room for ambiguity. There's no, well, I'll give a little bit over here, but not over here. It's no. Instead, God requires believers to be transformed. He says, but, right? And, and that's, that's a, a strong comparison. There, there's two different words for but in the Greek. One is just kind of a segue. One says, hey, but in opposition to what I just said, do this. Do not be conformed by the world, but instead be transformed. Believers are called to transformation. And in fact, when you go throughout and you look at all of Scripture, what you will notice is from the very beginning, God calls His people to be different than the rest of the world. He has always told believers, hey, I want you to be different. He calls Abraham, right? He calls Abraham, and what does He say to Abraham? He says, Abraham, I want you to be different than the people in Ur of the Chaldeans where I just called you out of who are worshiping fake, phony, pagan gods and being idolized. I want you, Abraham, to be different than those people. We talked about Noah in Sunday school. You need to be in Sunday school. Noah was called to be different than everybody else in the world. The world was exceedingly wicked. And in the midst of this, God calls Noah to be Righteous. God, in calling His people and in establishing His people in Leviticus 18, 1-5, says this, "'The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, "'Speak to the people of Israel, and say to them, "'I am the Lord your God. "'You shall not do as they do in the land of Egypt where you lived, "'and you shall not do as they do in the land of Canaan to which I am bringing you. "'You shall not walk in their statutes. "'You shall follow My rules and keep My statutes and walk in them.'" I am the Lord your God you shall therefore keep my statutes and my rules if a person does them he shall live by them I am the Lord what does that those verses say it says hey I'm calling you you are my people you're going to be different you are going to be transformed Because I am your God and you are my people. And you're not going to look like the Egyptians where you just left. You're not going to look like the Canaanites where you're going. You're not going to look like the Philistines. You're going to look very different than all the cultures around you. Do not be conformed by the pagan system in which you're getting ready to go and live. And so when we get to the New Testament... And we're talking about the believers in Christ now, in the New Testament, who, who we are in Christ. We have the same call. Be transformed. Don't be like everybody else. Be different. Be different. And, and here's the difference. Right? Think about it as pressure. The world is an external pressure pushing down on us to mold us into its image. Where God is working internally, exerting pressure to mold us into His likeness. Right? We've got to decide. Because as a people, we like to follow other people. If nothing else, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram has convinced us of that. We like to follow other people. We like to to look like other people. We like for our houses to look like other people, right? I mean, thank goodness for Chip and Joanna Gaines, right? If it wasn't for them, think about how many people will be deprived of shiplap in their houses. Did anybody know what shiplap was before a few years ago? But now you're going to remodel your house and, like, hey, I saw this on Chip and Joanna Gaines. I want shiplap. What is shiplap? I don't even know. But everybody likes it. Sure Maryland. I don't either, Marilyn. <laughs> it's wood of some sort. That's all I know. But, right? So, we, we got to understand that there's all kinds of pressures coming at us, but we got to decide are, are we going to be like everybody else or are we going to be transformed? Do not be conformed, but be transformed. And the word that is used there for transformed, and I'm sure you know this is where we get our word metamorphosis, like a caterpillar becoming a butterfly. But here's what you may not have known. That word transformed is used exactly four times in the New Testament. It's used here in Romans 12, 2 it's used in 2 Corinthians 3:18 that says and we all with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another so there's there's our transformation we're being transformed into the image of Christ you know where the other two times that word transform is used it's used both times in the account of Matthew and the account of Mark on the mount of transfiguration where it says that Jesus was transfigured, he was transformed before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as light. A, a total change came over Jesus, and his disciples were told didn't really understand that, but they would see the, the, the full understanding after the resurrection and so when you read this passage, what we see is we are to be Completely, a complete change come over us to be transformed into the likeness of Christ. So that when people see us, they see Christ. We're supposed to look like Him. right? And Jesus transforms us away from what the world says we should follow. We become more like Him, more like the image of Christ. That's what we're supposed to look like. That's what he is working inside of us to do. And he says then, do not be conformed, be transformed, and then says how? He says, daily renewal. God commands believers to daily renewal. But be transformed, how? By the renewal of your mind. And the tense of the verb implies daily, continuing process. It is not a a one-and-done event. Why? Because we're still in the world. We're still bombarded by what is happening in the world. We still understand from Romans one twenty eight that we have a debased mind, so we've got to every day work to renew our mind. We've got to be on the lookout against that. Right? Romans, again, 128, after that, he says, these are all the, the things that are in our mind and goes to this murder, idolatry, sorcery, wickedness, all these things that we are, that, that we're being barbarded with, and we've got to say, no, 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 I'm going to, re- I'm going to renew my mind every day. I'm going to be transformed so that I am ready to face the world so I can stand, see our Wednesday night study, on the armor of God in Ephesians 6, so I can stand against the world and not be conformed. And as we are doing that, we are able then to, it says, then discern the will of God. Daily, mind renewal. Every single day. But it's hard. It's absolutely hard to do that. It's difficult. And I was thinking about this yesterday while I was mowing my yard. Because as I was mowing, what I do is, is, is I, I, I listen to sermons. And I'm listening to a Leviticus sermon series, which is really fascinating. I'm enjoying it very much. And, I, and my whole day Saturday, and I'm kind of hesitant to say this because I know what some of your reactions are going to be. Most of my day Saturday throughout the day the sermon just filters through my mind. And I know some of you going, and this is the best you got. Okay. But I just I, I constantly think about it. And I was thinking through and I was reciting the scripture and I was thinking, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. I was listening to Leviticus and then I thought, you know what? In the Old Testament, under the Levitical laws that were given for them to be different people. They were instructed to do things daily, right? There were daily sacrifices. There were daily prayers. There were daily offerings. They had a system. God put in a system in place for them that reminded them every day that they had to renew their minds that they were part of God's people. Does that make sense? We come to the New Testament. We don't quite have that, do we? Right? Are we meeting tomorrow at 11 for worship? If you want to, we can. Are we meeting, you know, Thursday at at 4 for a sacrifice? Don't call me. Right? We don't have the external rules and regulations that God gave His people in the Old Testament that in their doing every single day was renewing their mind and focusing their attention on God. So how do we do it? How do we renew our mind? So let me give you just three quick things. It's not on the slides. But monitor what you put into your mind. Monitor what you put in your mind. Right? Let me ask you this. And I will get roasted on this on the way home. I'm, I'm fully prepared for that. If I came up to you and I said, hey, can I implant a microchip in your brain so that I could feed you signals every single day telling you what to do? You'd probably say no, right? But boy, we'll throw in a set of earbuds or some headphones and just channel that right into our head. And the reason I'm going to get roasted is because when I work, I work with earbuds in. (laughs) The, 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 the noise in the background, actually, I'm one of those weird people's, the noise in the background actually helps me focus. But in my defense, it's usually sermons. Okay? But here's my point. If we have a constant input of secular, worldly information, you can't expect your mind to be renewed. It's, just, it's not going to happen. So we need to monitor what we're putting into our minds. We need to put into our minds what is pure, what is holy, what is good, what is pleasing, what is right. Monitor what you put in your mind. Commit then, all right? So monitor, then the second word is commit. Commit to daily renewal. Okay. Again, you've got to commit yourself to doing this. However that works for you. A good way, prayer and Bible study, start your day. Uh, Gary, I'm not a morning person. I got gotcha. you. I hear you. But hey, how hard? How hard is this prayer? God, today, the world is going to try to conform me into its likeness. I want the strength to reject that and be transformed by you. Start your day with that prayer. Sometime later in the day, pray again. Read your Bible. Study. It's just that simple. Memorize Scripture. So you you got to make the commitment. But then finally, availability. Make yourself available. Make yourself available. Here I am, Lord. I'm available. I'm here. I'm going to be available to the leading of the Holy Spirit. Allow Him to renew my mind today so that we are transformed into the image of Christ. That's, as a believer, what we are called to do. Because if we're not transformed, we have nothing to offer the world. Paul is writing this to the Romans, to the church in Rome. what What did Rome look like? Rome wasn't a godly city. It was the imperial city. It was filled with wickedness, and it was filled filled with sin, and it was filled with pagan worship. And the believers in Rome are being bombarded again to conform to that, to be more like the Romans, to be more like all the others in the city? Don't you want to be like the Romans? Don't you want to be invited to the parties? Don't you want to celebrate? Don't you want to go to the games? Don't you want to go to the Colosseum? Don't you want to go to this party? Don't you want to do all of this? Hey, if you just come to the temple and and sacrifice to this pagan god and, and look more like it, think about what's going to happen to your business. Don't you want to look like the rest of us? And Paul writes to the Romans and says, no, you don't. Because you want through your transformation to show the rest of Rome that you have something different, that you have something to offer the world. And the same is true for us today. The marks of the disciple that we are to exhibit in the world shows to the world that we are different, that we have something different to offer them. Because if you look like the world, you don't have anything to offer the world. Have you noticed how many times the world says it wants something, it gets it, and then says, here, let's do something else? Because it has nothing new to offer. It has nothing lasting to offer. It only lasts as long as the high, and then when the high is gone, the offer is gone. to need something else. But by living As a marked disciple of Christ who has been transformed by the mercies of God, we show the world we have what you're looking for. That we have hope, that we have security, that we have joy, that we have an abundant life, and we have it not just here and now, but for all eternity. Wouldn't you like to get off the carousel that just keeps going around and around that the world keeps pushing? and come over here to know Christ through His mercies so that you now have purpose and you have hope and you don't have to worry about the world because as a believer in Christ, you are secure now and for all eternity. That's what we have to offer. That's what the world needs to hear. But we only do it if we live out transformed lives that show that we are a disciple of the one who saved God. The Gary Talks About God podcast is a production of Touchpoint Ministries and Red Bank Missionary Baptist Church in Germantown, North Carolina. Want to learn more? Visit our website at www.redbankmbc.com. If you enjoyed this content, please like and subscribe. Thank you for joining us.